Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Radio, Real Fan Sports Radio Live with my myself, Rodney Fisher, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Royce Fisher, here in just a second. It is Tuesday, January the 8th, and we do have a BCS National Champion crowned last night, and also we'll get into the NBA talk of the day as Carmelo Anthony tries to pick a fight after the game. We're also going to talk a little bit about the LA Lakers, RG3, find out what his injury is as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get our show started. Remember, you can follow us online by going to rfsportsradio.com or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. So without further ado, let me bring on the star of our show, Mr. Roy Fisher. Roy, how you doing today, sir? Well, good morning, right now. How are you? I'm doing fine, man. Good morning to you as well. Listen, I'm doing great. I went to bed early. Of course, now I'm in a lot of other folks. All I could hear last night was everybody turning that TV off that BCS game last night. Mm. So I did get to go to bed early. Yeah, you did have to definitely be a Alabama fan or SEC fan or a true college fan to stay awake or stay around for the whole game of that. When it was a, it was a blowout from the from the jump. Uh, no oh, doubt absolutely. about it. Let's talk about that first. Of course, the Alabama wins the BCS national championship. Their third BCS championship in four years, the only team to win three BCS championships since we've had this system. And they beat up on the Fighting Irish last night, 42-14, to 14, in a game that didn't even seem really that close. Now, it, it was after the blowout. And, listen, I could see uh, people running outside the door and said, uh, I can't take it anymore, please. Somebody stop it. You know, I can hear my neighbors yelling it, and I can hear everybody turning the TV on something else. But you're absolutely right. Biggest blowout I've seen in a BCS game since 1999. I mean, it was something awful to see. Yeah, it was was a pretty – and I'll be honest, I didn't get a chance to watch the kickoff of the game. My daughter had a uh, basketball game last night, so by the time I got home, about seven minutes left in the first half, and it's 28 nothing. I'm thinking – what did I miss? And from what I understand, <laughs> what I missed after watching the replay last night is 
Alabama just basically took it to Notre Dame. They ran that SEC style of football, running the ball, pounding the ball inside, and they were able to run all over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who was supposed to have, you know, Manti Teo, the most decorated linebacker in recent history, you know, winner of all the awards, second in Heisman voting. And they kept highlighting how this guy was missing tackles the whole first half. Well, what you missed was Lacey, you know, he was the MVP. He had, you know, he had ran for a touchdown and caught nine passes. This is all before halftime. You know, he finished with 140-yard, 20 catch. But, listen, Alabama could do anything they wanted to do from the opening kickoff when they drove the ball down and scored. This game was over at halftime. You know, like you said, and it's, you're absolutely right. There's a big gap between the SEC and everyone else. It, it's just ridiculous, right? You know, they're clearly superior to the rest of college football. No no, no question about it. You know, the whole time I was watching that game, though, even when it got close to the end and I knew Alabama, of course, was going to win the game, I kept thinking about how I'm looking forward to 2014 when we have that plus one game. Because I would like to see Alabama match up with a team like Oregon. You know, somebody yeah. that's got a high-powered offense that can put up a lot of points because I'll be honest, I thought Notre Dame would have a much better showing than what they did, and I think the Fighting Irish alumni had to be pretty shocked as well, too. Yeah, you know, and on yesterday's show, I did predict Notre Dame to win. What was I thinking? Man, I'm glad I didn't put any money up on that one because I'd be in the doghouse right now. But you're right, uh, Saber's third title, second back-to-back title. You know, he's first coach to win it with two different schools. So, uh, I mean, he's setting records for himself, too. So, I mean, it was just a complete collapse and blowout. Well, with that said, as you mentioned, uh, Lacey being the uh, winning the award for most valuable player, but also, like you said, 20 carries, 140 yards, one touchdown. But let's talk a little bit about the quarterback, A.J. McCarron. A guy I haven't watched a lot of, of course, I don't watch a lot of college football throughout the season, but – Pretty impressive last night. The guy was 20 for 28, 264 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and he's coming back next year to play. Absolutely. And, you know, Alabama was looking ahead to next year. <laughs> even after the game, Saban said he was going back to his office today and started working on next year's title. But you're right, McClam was he, he, he was like Tom Brady last night, four touchdowns. I mean, the guy can do any wrong. Uh, but to hold Notre Dame to 34 yards rushing, Rodney, that was, a, I mean, wow. That, that was something else. And with the 34 it. yards rushing, they got 20 yards on one carry. Yeah. Uh, so they had, a, yeah. they had a really bad night running the football. Yeah. Uh, uh, Golson for Notre Dame was 21 of 36, 270 yards. Uh, one touchdown, one interception, and they just get you know they couldn't get it done against Alabama's tough defense. I thought Notre Dame's defense was a lot tougher. Like you said, they mentioned the linebacker, but you know I don't think he could have tackled my grandmother last night. Yeah, yeah, it looked pretty bad last night. So what does this do in terms of Notre Dame? I mean, they go undefeated this season. They get a huge recruiting class because they they've been the thrust to the forefront. Uh, from going undefeated, playing a national championship game. Everybody wants to think that Notre Dame is back. But what do you think this does to them, uh, especially next season, even long-term, now that they see that as good as they were, undefeated as they were, they still can match up to the to the top of the SEC? 
Well, you know, it was a big blow for Notre Dame to go undefeated and with such a season they had to lose so terrible in the big game. But uh, clearly Alabama was superior and they came ready. Uh, Notre Dame doesn't have anything to be ashamed of except for the score. You know, that that was embarrassing. But other than that, I, I think they'll come back next year. Uh, you know, it's a good program, great program. They still get the recruits, and they just have to get a little bit better. But I just think the SEC is just far superior than than college football. They're going to do something to 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 balance it out some. The balance of power is just it's just there. Yeah, I think kids are continually going to go to the SEC, which of course is the best conference in NCAA football. And I think Notre Dame, what they have to do is kind of put together some back to back. Big seasons, and then next year if they go undefeated. Next year, it doesn't mean they're going to be ranked number one based on what happened uh, in this game. Because if you got a SEC team like Alabama with one loss, or Georgia with one loss, or even Texas A&M, as good as they look in the Cotton Bowl, with one loss, they could easily outrank uh, an undefeated Notre Dame team based on what may have happened in this BCS championship game. So it's going to be really interesting to see how. The rankings start out next season. Of course, we know Notre Dame's got a great class coming in. Alabama, of course, having their quarterback come back. And they they continue to lose players. That's the most impressive thing to me is that they lose so many players to the first two rounds of the draft, and yet they've they're won three championships in four years. I, I haven't seen a team in the modern-day era since I've been watching college football be able to put something like that together with so many kids going to the NFL, and yet they still keep reloading. Every year. And he talked a lot about that last night, Nick Saban did, about how he tries to work on not just the physical aspect of the game, but getting these guys mentally prepared to be champions. I thought that was a big point that he made last night. Yeah, and and, and, and even this year, uh, they're having a class come in, you know, this year and next year they got an even better class. So I look for them to be dominant. For a while, I'd like for them to even go back. I, I can't see anybody beating them as of now, not unless something changes next year. I can see them going back and winning another BCS title. You're absolutely well. Congratulations to the Crimson Tide. They win a BCS national championship. And like you said, I, I see them being a favorite again uh, next year as well. So, I mean, what can you say? What can you say? They put a whooping on Notre Dame last night. Uh, and also we found out yesterday as well after we did our show yesterday morning, you can go back and download the show on iTunes Just do a search for RF Sports Radio or go to our website. It's posted there as well. We finally found out what or what may be the issue with RG3. And what they're saying is there's a possible tear of the LCL and maybe some damage to the ACL as well too. Now what is being kind of shrouded in secrecy is the fact that, of course, we know he had this injury in college in 2009 that was repaired with a screw and basically a rubber band. Uh, and and I, I'm the I'm little I, I believe it's the same knee, but they really real fuzzy if it's the same knee or a different knee. And I believe it to be the right. same knee. And the reason why is because that makes the surgery or any kind of repair that they can do to the knee very very tricky if you have another tear in the knee that you had a problem with in in college. And I want to get your thoughts on this, first of all, hearing about the injury. Now that you hear about the injury, now that you watch the game in hindsight, do you still feel like Shanahan made the right decision leaving him in the game? 
Yeah, I, I, I think he might have left him in there too long. I, I would have pulled him at halftime, you know, but, you know, like I said, a lot of guys do play hurt. Uh, as I quoted yesterday, Tony Romo played, you know, with a bruised rib. That's got to be painful too. And we've seen other guys play, but uh, I, I, I think so many hits, and they did come after him all night, I, I think, and they, they came after his leg. We saw that. I, I think it was about the – that run you talked about yesterday when they did get hit and he really had a hard time getting up, I think that was a deal breaker. But, you know, they have the best doctor in the world in Washington, D.C. So, you know, if anybody can fix it, he can. But, you know, that's the chances you take in football. You know, I, I've seen guys don't even make a whole season or have a season injury, ending injury, you know, that that first year in, in, in the NFL. So that's part of the game. Uh, it's unfortunate it happened, but I, I think he bad, bounced back. Adrian Peterson gave everybody with a knee injury hope of always coming back to play the game. You know what, I think I think I look at this in two sides of the coin when it comes to Shanahan's decision to leave him in. Number one, we know about the back and forth that's been going on between, Mike, uh, between Shanahan and that doctor you mentioned, Dr. James Andrews, who you, right. Is your, you're right, he is the best in the game when it comes to any kind of joint or tears or anything. Uh, of course, repairing Adrian Peterson, now he's going to be working on RG3. And the other thing I find interesting about this as well, too, is how smart does that make Shanahan to draft Kirk Cousins, you know, draft another rookie quarterback, knowing that this guy has repaired knee before, could have a potential knee problems, and he's got another rookie quarterback that could probably step in and keep this franchise going along the right way. I mean, he was really hedging his bets by by drafting Kirk Cousins, and now we understand why it was so important right. for him to get two quarterbacks in the draft. Yes, and, you know, we everybody was surprised he did pick two. Maybe he knew something that we didn't know. Uh, maybe he just kind of back, covering his own track to back up a backup just in case Robert Griffin didn't work out. But you, you're right, they do have a, uh, a smart move. They do have a great backup. But I think Robert Griffin bounced back uh, from this. And uh, I think he'd be a little more careful about running the ball, you know, with his knee. But, you know, Tom Brady has, you know, had to repair a knee, and his career senior has done great. So, yeah. But like you said, though, Having this done again, having a knee repaired again, the same knee he hurt in college. We saw right. it didn't really slow him down in college. He won a Heisman after that. We saw the right. original knee injury that really didn't slow him down in the NFL when he got here. But don't you think now he's going to be a little tentative to run and that's going to take away an element uh, of his uh, of his game, right? Uh, somewhat. He may be tentative to run, but, I, you know, he's a competitor, man. I, I don't think you can stop this guy from competing. You know, no matter what you tell him, he, he you know, uh, if it's there, he's going to take it. I think he will go down and run out of bounds more rather than try to get excessive yardage out of a run. But I think, you know, he, he has to protect himself a lot better. He has to get out of bounds. He has to slide. He can't take the hits, you know what I mean? He can't try to get extra yardage. And, and he, he can survive because he is a great pocket quarterback also. So I, I think it would just be – you know, make him be a little bit more careful because you never know how long an NFL career lasts anyway. Yeah. So yeah. the smart right. quarterbacks, the smart quarterbacks, and we've seen it, like I say, with Tom Brady, uh, 
you know, he's different, but he's still effective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see, but judging by the way RG3 stayed in the game and wanted to continue to play, he's going to come out and give it his full 100%. You know, he's going to go full speed, you know, once Absolutely. he comes back from injury. Uh, speaking of ACLs and knee injuries, the Seattle Seahawks will have to continue their postseason run without their number one pass rusher, Chris Clemens, who has a torn ACL and a torn meniscus in his left knee. And he won't be able to play the rest of the season. He may even miss some time at the beginning of the season next year. This could be a big blow for the Seahawks, who rely on uh, Chris Clemens to be their pass rushing end. Now, they do bring in Bruce Irvin, who played a lot during the uh, Washington game. But Bruce Irvin, of course, is a rookie and doesn't know all the tricks of the trade when it comes to dealing with left and right tackles. So do you think this will do anything to that Seahawks defense, or do you think they continue to roll? I think they continue to roll because if you think about it, half the defense, well, a third of the defense are rookies anyway, and it hadn't stopped them so far this year. Uh, uh, you know, it's a great squad. I, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to step up. That's one thing I've noticed about the Seahawks, even with the two uh, defensive back suspension, uh, they still managed to maintain because guys stepped up and, and took over the role. And, and, that, and that's what you need. Good guys coming off the bench, you know, like I said, it's your time to play, it's your time to step up. That's one way to get in the lineup, and these guys are hungry. Uh, probably the most hungry squad. Like I said, they are the most dangerous team to play right now. They're probably the hungriest squad of guys out there now. You know, I wouldn't want to play them. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, either. Just, but, yeah, like I said, so, I, think, uh, I think you're right. I think, having a I think, rookie Go ahead. Them having a rook in there doesn't make any difference to Seattle whatsoever. No, I don't think so either. I think they continue to do what they've been doing on defense. I mean, really the strength of that defense is, you know, the front four is great, don't get me wrong. Right. They're great. They're big front four. But the strength of that defense are the big corners that they have. The, right. You know, the, the, ability for them to play, the ability for them to play one-on-one on the corner without having to play a lot of zone gives them a lot of flexibility up front to run several stunts and, uh, end the rounds and all that kind of stuff. So I think their yeah, defense won't change. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as you know, a lot of coaches still looking for jobs in the NFL, but one coach did get, finally get announced as the head coach. And that was Andy Reid being announced as the Kansas City Chiefs head coach. And uh, Reid didn't really interview with anyone else, Roy. If he took this job right off the bat, there was a, they kind of made their play for Andy Reid. They gave him all the flexibility in the world, full control of – the team, they got rid of their GM, Scott Pioli, who has done a good job building a, trying to build a team together. There's several pro right. bowlers on that Chiefs defense, although they only won two games this season. But what do you think about Andy Reid now his role in Kansas City? you think he'll be able to uh, win like he's been, like he won in Philadelphia? Do you think he's more in the later stages of Andy Reid from what we saw in a four-win uh, four season with the Eagles this year? Well, Andy Reid's in a pretty good spot right now. Not many coaches uh, get to have uh, another chance like he did, and it didn't take long for them to hire him. You know, I think Andy Reid's a a great coach. We saw what he did in Philadelphia. He came in there and turned that franchise around. I I think he still has a touch. I I think this year he was limited to what he could do, you know, but he has more control in Kansas City. He gets to pick players. He gets to start all over again. He gets another chance, and 
hopefully all the things that he's been through while he was at Philadelphia are now behind him now. And we yeah. know about his uh, family issues and stuff that went on off the field. But for him and the loss of his son, but for him to come back and get another chance, I think he'll be more focused now. He doesn't have the distractions. That was a dysfunctional Philadelphia team he was on. And like I said, there's some great personnel in Kansas City. But I think Kansas City's biggest problem has always been injuries. If they can stay healthy and with a, a different coaching scheme, and I'm pretty sure he'll find a way. But they need they, they need a quarterback, and I'm pretty sure he'll go get one. Yeah. Uh, well, they but, got the number one pick in the draft, and, and right. as you know, Andy Reid is he's going to have he's going to you know find a quarterback. He's played several yeah, he's come to, in his tenure at uh, So, and and, and I and I think he'll do a better job. He can't do any worse than what they've been. We've seen. I think Kansas City probably has had more coaching change than just about anybody in the last five, six, ten years, rather. Yeah. In, yeah. in the NFL, so maybe they get some continuity there. You know, we know how the fans are. We know it's a great place to play in, one of the loudest places to play in. And I think they're going to embrace Andy Reid. And and and, and uh, it's going to take some time. So, you know, three three years, I look for them to be back on top. But Andy Reid's a great choice. And like I said, I think he'll be more focused now. Uh, I think, like I said, all the distractions he had to go through in Philly are, are pretty much gone. And, you know, yeah. we'll see. You know, like I said, I but think I kinda Andy wish, though, I, I kind of wish that with everything that's happened, his son passing away in training camp, they freaking out it was a drug overdose, the, right. his other son getting locked up, and everything that's happened to him on a personal level. I just kind of right. wish he would have taken one year out of football just to right. kind of, you know, be with his family, spend that time with them. Uh, but some of these guys, like Andy Reid and like these other coaches, I mean, once they start coaching – I mean, they don't know. They don't know how to do anything else. That's their life. That's their yeah, life. Yeah, it's their life. And you can tell Andy Reid's one of those guys. And I think he could really become a legend in Kansas City if he just gets the team into the playoffs. One playoff win, and he's probably <laughs> locked changed. up the spot for about 15 years in uh, Kansas City. They'll eat that alive in Kansas City. Let's jump into the NBA real quick before we wrap up our show. Again, I want to remind you guys you can find us online at rfsportsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at RF Sports Radio. Uh, we'll be coming to you guys all this week. And we have a live broadcast coming up on this Saturday. Uh, we're going to be doing Paul Quinn College and historically black college here in the Dallas area as they take on uh, Southwestern Assemblies. And that will be our first broadcast with Paul Quinn. We're looking forward to that. And we'll have Coach Keeley on with us on Thursday to talk about his Paul Quinn squad and what they have upcoming as well, too. But let's talk a little NBA talk real fast, Rose, before we go. Of course, we follow the NBA like no other uh, show does, uh, being right there for the big stories in the NBA. And I guess we can start out with this story with the L.A. Lakers, coming to find out that Dwight Howard and Paul Gasol are going to miss uh, a few games. Paul Gasol suffered a concussion from an elbow uh, during the game against Denver. He's not going to travel with the team. And then Dwight Howard uh, suffering from some type of arm injury. He yeah, said it's not required. Yeah, it doesn't require any surgery, but it's going to require some time uh, miss out on the team. So now they have to kind of go at it with just Kobe and Steve Nash, and even their backup Jordan Hill is going to be out for a little while as well too. Right. So 
They got a hole they got to climb out of, Royce. How hard does it make it now without having those two guys? I, I think it's a hole that they don't get out of. I begin to think that, you know, it's funny that L.A. goes from the champions and one of the best places to play to the land of misfit toys. Uh, because that's what I'm seeing now. They 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 picked up an injured Steve Nash. They picked up uh, Dwight Howard, who just come off surgery. Uh, uh, Paul Gasol has hadn't been healthy in years, and Kobe Bryant is getting older. So I, I don't see this team turning anything around. Uh, I, I I think they're in trouble. I, I just absolutely think they're in trouble. They're definitely in trouble now. They're definitely in big trouble now. But we, when I first saw this story, though, you know what I thought? I'll be honest with you. I thought somebody's getting ready to get traded. You know, maybe they didn't yeah. want these guys to play yeah. and risk any further injury because someone's going to get traded here. Of course, we heard about the blow-up between Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant in practice. So they made fun about that yesterday, uh, sending out the photo of a fake fight, you know, making fun about the issue like it wasn't a big deal. Right. But, you know, when you're missing these two guys and now you try to come get out of a hole, it's going to be really, 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 really hard for the Lakers to do it. But if they can, you know, if they you start can winning games, play. though, if they start winning games without these two, look out because someone's going to get traded. A- absolutely. And, and, you know, the thing about it is it's Kobe Bryant. You can see his frustration. You know, I, I've seen him give these guys an evil eye. I see, we, you know, we've heard about him yelling at uh, uh, other teammates. But, you know, you and I were there for the first game, and this team was in disarray from game one because uh, after that loss to the Mavericks game one to a Maverick team, which we know you can't win a game, but for them to lose there, they were calling for the coach's head. They already had a coaching change. Uh, D'Antoni was not the first choice to pick. So, really – it, you know, it started spiring out of control ever since then. There were rumors this summer about Dwight Howard and his health and, and this team and all the expectations were high. But, you know, it's been a spiraling down ever since. It, it has, it's not going up, it's going down. So, you know, I'm not surprised at any news I hear coming out of L.A. because, it's, like I said, to me it's the land of misfit toys. Mm. Well, it's going to be definitely hard for them as well. And in New York, on the other coast, we had uh, they were Carmelo Anthony. They had a double technical foul called at the end of the Boston Celtic and New York Knicks game, which the Celtics went on to win handily over the Knicks. And after a double technical call between Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Garnett, it kind of spilled over to off the court. Once the game was over with, Carmelo decided to go ahead and, and, and uh, kind of chase down the Celtic players, even going outside the locker room screaming profanities, trying to get Kevin Garnett to come out to pick a fight with him. And, of course, Garnett, as as the veteran that he is, blew it off as no big deal. Even um, Doc Rivers blew it off as no big deal. I think all the players, of course, trying to protect each other. They don't want to see anyone get suspended for a heat-of-the-moment type of deal. But Carmelo Anthony's showing a little, you know, he's always been a kind of testy kind of guy, but that's taking it to another level right there. And I think that's going to go a long way with his teammates. Yeah, and absolutely, and and Carmelo is playing out of his mind right now, and, and that goes to show you how dedicated he is to winning. It. You know, if he's going to take something like that and go over, you know, you can tell he hates to lose, and this is such a good squad. I, I think it does rally these guys behind him, knowing that you have somebody that's going to stand up for the team. 
But you know, it's going a little bit over overboard. We see stuff happening in the games. You just have to let it go, be a professional about it, go on. But for him to take it that far, I think was too much. But it does does show how desperate he is to win after all these years of being with Denver and yeah, on some right. of these losing teams and being with the Knicks and having that losing season. I mean, that, this this squad is loaded. They're playing great. He, uh, Carmelo wants a championship, and and you can tell. It, it's in his blood. He, he can feel it. Yeah, I thought it was a very interesting story. But, again, this is the competitive nature of any sport. When you're dealing with true athletes that have a competitive edge, you're going to have stuff like that happen. Uh, all the time. So I just think that was one of those things, kind of heat of the moment type of things. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, in the heat of their moment, they're in seventh place in the Eastern Conference right now. They lose uh, Saturday night and decided after the loss to go ahead and part ways with Scott Skiles, who's been there for just over four seasons. And uh, Scott Skiles is 162 and 182 in his fifth season, well, in his fifth season coaching the Bucks. And how he has uh, only one playoff appearance, one first-round loss to Atlanta uh, in seven games in 2009-2010 season. But Scott Skiles on the market, he's gone. And I think that was a move to try to try to appease some of their, their core players like Brandon Jennings and Monte Ellis. I've always been wildly reported that Scott Skiles wanted these guys to not take as many shots. <laughs> I guess the best way to put it, but that's not really how they play. But Scott right. Scott's a good coach. He'll land in the street somewhere else. Oh, I, absolutely. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, I told you to kind of watch out for the Milwaukee Bucks. They were headed uh, to make the playoff spot, you know. But, like I said, these guys, they, they are shooters. And even I say they shoot a lot. But, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to control these guys when they shoot. But, like I said, Scott Scott is, is a great coach. He'll land somewhere. But uh, on next show, we have to talk about the Mavericks and their – downfall too yeah yeah real quick before we go what do you think i mean they lost last night again they can't close the game out and and carlisle was really 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 forthcoming about how he felt about the officiating last night in uh utah well uh, as we know the, the mavericks cannot catch the break with the officials I, i've seen that firsthand but uh, it, it's more than that this, this team is so uh how would i say thrown together that they don't know how to play with each other and they don't know how to win. That's something you can't teach. You have to want to win and you have to go out and make that happen. This team doesn't know how to do that. Yeah, we'll talk more about the Mavericks tomorrow. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to our show. Uh, It's been great. Royce, thank you again for jumping on with me. We'll be talking to you guys tomorrow. Again, uh, go to our website rfsportsradio.com. Thank you for listening to Real Fan Sports Radio, Sports Talk from a Fan's Perspective. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.